welcome to the Glitch Text Rewatch podcast. We are so excited to have you joining us today for episode three, Going, Going Gauntlet. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and we have three awesome guests joining us for today's episode. So go ahead and introduce yourselves, everyone. Hi, I'm Ian Graham. I was the supervising producer on Glitch Text. Uh, I'm Stephanie Shea, and I voiced Miko's mother. I'm Steve Eat. I was a background painter on Glitch Tech season one and season two. And it's so great because all of you had very different disciplines, worked on different aspects of the show, you know, from pre-production to post-production. So Ian, let's start with you. What exactly did your job entail? Well, the supervising producer in television generally is overseeing most of the production elements when it comes to storytelling. I had input on the scripts. I had input on the visual and the storyboards a lot. I had a lot of input on the storyboards, filmmaking, editing, animatics, all that kind of stuff. So it can change from person to person. Like those responsibilities can shift a little bit, but for the most part, for the most part, that's, that's what I did on Glitch Text. And it was really nice because the relationship between myself and creators on a show, a supervising producer and creators on a show is really important. And both Dan Milano and Eric Robles were very, very kind and brought me very much into their process and, and really treated me in a way that allowed me to really express myself and really help them do the best show that they wanted to do. And that's great. And that was a great opportunity. The show, when I first got onto the show and I had met Eric and we had started this whole process, I, I wasn't completely, you know, I was, um, I liked the idea. I'd met Eric. We had a great communication and Dan, and it was really awesome. And then I got on, but it, it didn't dawn on me how important this show truly was until our first uh, kind of writer's launch. In the very, very beginning, we did like a creative meeting that Gabe and Eric Robles and all these other people were there. We had invited people all over the industry from gaming development and writing and everything. And we had this kind of like powwow. And in that meeting, you realized that this is one of the first shows to truly depict the video game industry in a way that, and video games and the way people deal with them in a way that was very genuine and very new and fresh because it's such a major part of especially young people's lives, but anyone's lives. I mean, I'm an avid gamer, so, so it was great. Uh, it's been a great experience, and I just absolutely immediately just became super passionate about the show, and, and that passion trickled down to everybody who worked on it. I, I've never worked with a crew that's been more passionate and more in love with the show that they were working on than I did on Glitch Text, and I know from experience, like I've worked on Avatar The Last Airbender, I worked on The Legend of Korra, and I know from experience that having a passionate crew almost guarantees you having a much, much better show, a much better product, because people really care and they love and take care of the characters and the storytelling to a point that's really unique, and so if you can really inspire a crew, you're golden, and in Glitch Texas case, that's exactly what we had. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing all that, and it's really cool to hear just how much is involved in making the show and just all the different moving parts and how long it takes and just from the writers to the artists and everything in between. Oh my god everybody a really well-functioning crew for animation tv animation especially it really has to be a 
cumulative effort. You cannot, you're not an island and people who treat the process as if, no, it's just them and that's it, are not going to get the most out of the process. It's one of the most, and part of the reason I love it so much is it's one of the most team effort based production kind of storytelling that I've ever been a part of. And I've worked in live action and I've worked in different elements of animation, but it is uh, television animation is a true team sport. It really requires everyone doing their best to truly make a great product. That's really cool. And Stephanie, let's go to you. So we'll have the pleasure of talking to you on a couple of other episodes in the future as well. But I was really wondering when you're creating a character such as Miko's mom or any of the other characters that you've played in animation, what are some of the things that are going through your head? I think, you know, obviously, like, we want to establish a vocal imprint for the character, and then also really kind of getting to know who that person is and what makes them tick. You know, I don't have, Miko's mom appears in several episodes, but it's not like, (laughs) it's not like a huge, huge, huge part, but like Ian said, in terms of the collaborative process, this was probably in terms of, for me as a voice actor, one of the most creatively collaborative processes for me, even for a role like Miko's mother. I remember the first session, a lot of care was taken into this idea of an Asian mom. And, you know, now that, you know, the the book Tiger Mom came out, while I think that was very eye-opening, that book the downside of that, it was very easy then to label all Asian mothers tiger moms, you know, and kind of, I guess, make everything fall under in that general categories where every human being and every mom is a little bit different. Uh, And I think that there are some cultural just patterns, maybe just because of cultural differences when it comes to Asian mothers and stuff, but it's more nuanced than a very aggressive, demanding mom, you know? And that was in terms of the collaborative process. I remember Dan really asking about my relationship with my mother um, because my mother is demanding. And I really personally never really enjoyed this label tiger mom once it came out because I felt like it characterized my mom in a different way than how I knew what her intentions to be. And she was hard on me. And sometimes when I tell stories about my mom, my friends will think that she's really mean, but she's far from it. There's an understanding between my mother and I in terms of, I understand where it's coming from. doesn't mean we didn't butt heads. It doesn't mean that there wasn't conflict, but the fact that Dan took the time to kind of ask me about that. And then we even, I, after the first episode, I think we even went and picked up lines afterwards to find the balance with that voice. I don't think I've ever really gotten that level of consideration for a character, you know, especially this is, you know, she's recurring, but she's not like a lead role. And the fact that they put that much time and energy and effort and thought into something like that was one really impressive to me, but also helped me do my job. And just as somebody, as an Asian performer, really representatively wise, made me feel seen. They even added a little catchphrase, I think in you know one of the early episodes when there's a chaos in the family and 
mom says, din, din, do it now, do it now. That's something that my mother used to say. Like I told Dan that story, but that's what my mom would used to say all to me all the time. And then he added it in there, which is, I don't even know where my mom got that from, you know? So I don't even know if it's a thing, but you know, that was like, you know, she would, cause that would, you know, my mom would be like, go do your chores, do your homework. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I'll do it later. And she would always be like, nope, do it now. So like, din, din, do it now became like a thing that she would always like say to me, you know, around the house. That is amazing. Thanks for sharing. And that's so great to hear too, that it's not just roles, like they're incorporating aspects of your own life to fully flesh out the characters. That's very good. Yeah, it was really, really cool. <laughs> awesome. And now Steve, so you had the great pleasure. You've worked on several different animated shows as mm -hmm. a background painter. So what is it about background painting and glitch text in particular that you like the most? Oh, the team was was amazing. Like Ian was saying, like from the leadership all the way throughout the production, everybody was really excited about the show. When I remember seeing the animatic, I think Going Going Gauntlet was probably the first animatic I saw, kind of like uh, like stitched together. And I was like, man, this show's amazing. Like it looks crazy. It, it kind of took me back to watching Saturday morning anime, discovering anime for the first time on the Sci-Fi channel. And I was like, whoa, like they're really going for it like they're going the extra mile like the animation seemed crazy the storytelling and to kind of echo what stephanie was saying i'm asian american myself so seeing miko's relationship with her family i saw a lot of my own family i come from a huge family i have five siblings so there's six of us in the house my grandma lived with us and like you know my mother raised me and all that like my father was there but kind of hitting that nuance like in the performance i totally felt like oh this is this is the asian american experience i grew up with you know what i mean it's sort of like oh wow like they they really nailed it the characters felt deeper they felt rich they felt layered and nuanced which you don't see a lot in cartoons so yeah oh so for background painting we were asked to bring kind of our like our sensibilities to the show scott kakuda was our art director and he did an amazing job. He set forth like, amazing color scripts and really worked with us, but he also left room for us to add our kind of flavor onto the show, put our imprint on the show. So there will be backgrounds where there's no color script. And he's like, you know what this world looks like. It's based off the Pacific Northwest, kind of go nuts, you know? So it was, it was really fun to kind of feel like you have a little bit of ownership on what shows up on screen. That's very cool. That's good that you guys were able to put your own take on it while also working along with what Scott's vision was for the show. Right. And so then that takes us to today's episode, Going Going Gauntlet. So the synopsis on Netflix is, it's Miko and High Five's first official day on the job, but crisis soon strikes when Miko's high-tech gear gets stolen by a peculiar bird. So here's how we'll do it, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else at home. We have the timer set to zero, zero, zero on Netflix. So at the count of three, not before, not after, but right on three, I will hit play and all of you at home will be able to watch along and you'll be able to hear our guests talk about the show. So everybody get ready here. One, two, three. And this is like goes. one of my favorite episodes too. Yeah, this, this one actually is, is my favorite solid. episode. Oh, really? Your favorite the one? The music, the music is really good. Well, 
one of the things I absolutely love about this episode, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, but, uh, is the relationship between Miko and her mom. Like, I mean, Oh, it's great. There's a couple of sequences. We'll talk about them when we get there, but like on the rooftop and mm-hmm. what have you, where I'm just like, it really, it really got to me. I, I, you know, the phrase tiger mom is one thing and I get it, but, but you realize that there's a lot in good parenting. There's a lot of that in everybody, I think. And I think that's, what's so nice is that there's such a multicultural thing in this element. Right. I love how excited she is. Yeah, she's she's the best. Uh, I was going to say, like, this episode is uh, directed by Phil, Phil Laura, I believe. Yeah. Amazing, yeah, amazing Phil job. Laura directed it. I love the, the cheat code. <laughs> Shout this out. Was, uh, yeah, this is one of the episodes that was completely animated by Flying Bark. Uh, I think they did two full episodes on their own uh and then they also uh and they did our title sequence uh killed it we used studio 100 in france which is a sister studio of flying bark who did a lot of the animation on the series along with uh top drop uh a really talented studio in the philippines that did uh did some did animation what is that like coordinating between multiple animation studios on the show well it can be very difficult but we did we were so thorough on our end in terms of these animatics are very, very tight. They're, you know, we gave the theory behind it was we made some adjustments to the schedule. We took some time out of from other places and allowed for our board team to have uh, a maximum amount of time to work on the show. So that way we had a, the, the, a maximum amount of time to, to, um, to have really thorough boards, the very detailed boards. And the detailed boards saved our butt every time, every single animation studio that we went to and we talked to, they would talk about how how helpful it was to have such detailed boards because they knew exactly what we were trying to go for. Y'all have to see these boards, man. The boards are amazing. Just like in board form, it's, it's crazy. Everything's broken down really well and clear. Yeah. It's remember- interesting too, like for our board artists, like uh, when I brought in, I handpicked pretty much most of the board teams and when hiring people and I talked to Eric and Dan about this early on I'm like look you don't want to have storyboard artists that all are the same like you're not you know we're an action comedy so you don't want to just hire guys that have only worked on action comedy you want an assortment crew with different you know abilities and so they can play off each other so we would bring in a board artist that's really strong in comedy and then we would bring another board artist that was really great at action. Uh, and then you'd bring in another board artist that was drama and that would be one team, you know? And the thinking mm-hmm. behind it is, is like worst case scenario, everyone brings their strength, their superpower to the table. Uh, at the same time, it really inspires each other. Like, and I know this from being a board artist for many years, it really is inspirational to be around someone who does stuff different than you. And mm-hmm. you can learn so much from them. And what you saw through the course of the series is like, this continuous like growth from everybody where mm-hmm. like the, the action person might start beginning was getting funnier and funnier and the comedy person would be taking on some more action and it was great it was really a lot of fun and i think it just made for uh well for what glitch text is i mean i'm super proud of this series i think we all are yeah truly that's good and i like this intro is crazy too. 
Oh, this was great. This is flying Bark. <laughs> yeah, Flying Bark super killed it. Oh, they really did. I love it. If you freeze this, like, when when five jumps out, it's like this weird, like, it's like multiple frames in pose. And if you step through it in the animation, it looks, it looks insane. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It just encapsulates the entire show. It's like, these are our two. You get to go on a great adventure. You're going to have a really good time. Let's go. It sets the tone for how many banana pans we're going to use <laughs> in the show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh right. The, uh, Ashley is Rufus. In this, this episode, like it was uh, this episode just before this, and then this episode. Like the episode before this, I was like, "Oh my god, I love Nico," and mm -hmm. then it was after this episode where I was like, "I, I was just so insanely like she is one of the best characters I've ever worked with." You know, uh, completely super well rounded, such an amazing design, and also the. The acting on this show throughout is just so genuine and so good. Yeah. yeah, definitely my favorite character. I like that, you know, our lead is female too, especially yeah. when we're talking about gaming culture, because that's just, you know, I mean, it's slowly that stereotype is slowly breaking down, but, you know, like, when I was in college, like a lot of my friends were all gamers, you know, mm -hmm. but most of the content seemed to be marketed towards guys and just like, you know, we, they forgot about that audience. So. Right. Yeah. No, what I love about our show, we talked about it early on and it was like, we all decided early that, that we're never going to talk about it and we're never going to like make like, Hey, you're a girl gamer. Like, Oh, it's so awesome that you're playing with us. Like we're never going to go there. We're never going to deal with any of that because that's not relevant. Right. And that, it shouldn't be relevant. So the way to deal with it was to not deal with it, to just make her awesome and not even deal with it. No one questions it. No, there's no, you know what I mean? Like there's none of that, that those stereotypes that often get brought into this. Right. I love this yeah, sequence. I do too. This part is like, so funny. With yeah. the mom, the dialogue is so hilarious. Yeah, with the ship just blowing up in the background and Miko's super awesome hair. Miko's line where she's like, you should be, Mel. You I should know. be. <laughs> you didn't realize how amazing I was. Yeah, I did the, uh, the backgrounds for that sequence too. Like oh, fun. Fantasy stuff, which was really fun to do. Awesome. I remember, so to go back to what you were saying, Ian, about not addressing, like, oh, this is amazing, Miko can game. I remember talking to Eric early on, because he came, he will stop by and just talk to the background painters. And then I was like, Eric, like, Miko's really dope. Like, how did you write a, a character, like, a, this strong female protagonist? And he goes, okay, that's, that's, that's where I wanted to focus on. I don't, I didn't consider Miko a strong female protagonist. I just tried to write my best buddy like regardless of her gender you know what i mean yeah. and that's what miko is but i really appreciate you guys not bringing that up because i will say that you know i've been in certain voice casts where there it's like an all-female cast and they're always inevitably some outlet or some question is like how do you feel 
being in a show with all these women, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, what year is it? Is that still the question we're asking? Right. <laughs> is it even that rare anymore? Like, <laughs> like. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the whole point. I mean, it, it's a shame. Like one of the beauties to this entire series is the fact that it start, it's a chance to open a dialect in the gaming community by using uh, a kid's format of like, you know, uh, show, you know what I mean? That, that, that allows us to kind of have this communication as a way of opening up all this dialogue because the truth is, is like the entertainment industry as a whole almost ignores the gaming community or whenever they go near it, they tend to make it so atypical or so stereotyped or so, you know what I mean? And, yeah. what, I, and what I really it's love about it, yeah, is it was a real open dialogue and, and it didn't try to answer stuff like that. Dan and I talked about how what, some of the things that we loved about like Star Trek, we're both are fans of Star Trek and it's like this element that it would make you think. Like we want, we want the viewers, even if they're kids or young adults, we want them to think like, what does this really mean? And what is this about? Even though it's kind of coded in this fun, playful, you know, uh, premise or ideas and then we keep it light, but there's that element of like, still think about what does this really mean? The alley yes, intro. Yes. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. A lot of this is amazing. Yeah, like you first see Allie and you think it's like a legendary Pokemon bird, and then it's like a like a very strange yeah. turkey like ostrich. Super derpy. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I love it. It's like super derpy, able to go to different dimensions. Roadrunner. I, I did this background right here. All <laughs> so of so this just here comes the queen. <laughs> When I saw like the layouts and stuff, I was like, I hope I get this one. I hope I get this one. I also like how she doesn't walk. She floats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love this too, where she's like, call, and her, her bird yeah. minions take her away. <laughs> so it's so good. And it's, it's so, so random. You're like, birds? Like, <laughs> no, but that's how it is. I remember, you know, when you're a teenager, it's like, everything is dramatic. Everything has so much meaning. And it's like, yeah. yes, yes, I understand. <laughs> This act, character acting is brilliant. This is Ben Choi really kicking butt. Dude, yeah, Miko goes on a journey with this sequence, <laughs> just emotionally. Yeah. What I love about this show, too, it, like, yes, it's about they're gamers and they're fighting video game monsters, but at the deepest level, it's a story about friendship. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, and I, like, I love that. There's so much heart in this, in this show. I like that they feel like real people because one right. of the issues that irritates me is when you have the stereotype of gamers all being like, they're all geeky or they're all weird or they're all this or they're all that. And it's like, no one person is all anything. Right. Everyone has a lot of different characteristics. And it's interesting, Ian, when you were talking about how a lot of people in entertainment avoid gaming or avoid talking about it because every single person I know who works in animation is a gamer to an extent. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like, why would you ignore this? This is so many people. Well, but not only that, but we're the first, we represent the first generation of people where multiple generations, or you know what I mean? We're, we're in a window, I guess I should say not, where multiple generations have played games. Like I grew up at a time when it was like Atari 2600 and like the, the birth of video gaming. Mm -hmm. And here I am, you know, years later, and, you know, I'm still playing games like Destiny and what have you, and 
I can talk to my kids that way. They, they, they've all grown up in a world where there's only been games. And so it allows like, there's, it's like, like fishing with your kids. Like there's this ability to like share and kind of generationally talk about stuff. And that's what Glitch Text does. That's just so amazing is, is it allows for that dialogue that nobody's having. I love this stuff. This is uh, Sheldon Bella. <laughs> oh, the uh, uh, Australian dude. Yeah. <laughs> I just swallowed it. You're like, and her reaction. Yeah, this is so gone good. Wrong. <laughs> oh, no. The crazy puke. Oh. Yeah. I love I just, it. They turn pixely. That poor squirrel. <laughs> so good. Yeah, just not how they planned on spending their day. I love this stuff. It's such great character acting too. Yeah, Miko's amazing <laughs> in this. And even the bird's feet, the bird's just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and call back to the lunch, which I, I love the fact that it's not just, oh, her mom packed her a lunch. I like that there's a through line for it the entire time. Yeah, this episode's really tight. There's not a lot of fat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, the extra shove-in is hilarious. <laughs> yep just to make sure that you saw what happened. <laughs> this pose is hilarious. Yeah, Sheldon's Sheldon a, a real unique oh. creature. He's a, as a storyboard artist, he, he's a very talented guy. He, he's one of the few guys that I feel like is good at really strong at action, but at the same time, maybe even more strong, his bigger strength is comedy and and this sequence really, I mean, if you think about it, he goes from this action stuff and the comedy that's integrated in here all the way to the scene on the rooftop, which is like very heartfelt. And you're like, mm -hmm. such a great gamut, such a wide range of ability there. And, and it's like, and it's such a wonderful thing. And so many of the artists on that, on this show were like that and they all fed off each other and, and, and it kept growing like that. I mean, look at these, this acting is, uh, Ian, so Sheldon was the storyboard artist from Australia, correct? Yeah, he, he's from Australia. He, he was a freelance uh, artist. Uh, he was in the States for a long time, so we all knew of him or him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then he moved back to Australia, but continues to do freelance to this day for a lot of people. So it's great. I just remember seeing his boards and I was like, who is this dude? Like, he's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, true, true talent. So it. that sequence back there with a monster in the alleyway, I did that background that you do not see. <laughs> that's completely covered. But you did it with love. And that's I did it with love. Oh, this rooftop scene is so good. Oh, this is very good. Yeah, this is where I started to tear up. This is, uh, this is what did it for me, and I knew the show was going to be special, honestly. Like the dialogue between Miko and Five... Yeah, and it just shows that they care. I like because it's not just, you know, this isn't just a job to them. It's not just, oh, goofy fun. It's like, no, they they realize they have responsibilities for what they're doing, and they really just want to do a good job. Well, I mean, it's like we were able to get it. This episode does it probably the best, but but we were able to get it all in into an episode. We were able to have action and excitement. We were able to have comedy and heartfelt moments. We were able to do moments that showed like different cultural aspects to people and and gaming industry and we still had heart i mean it's so rare to have so much like that going on in one series mm -hmm. 
I relate to Miko on this too, where she's like trying to do a good job. Her mom is putting this pressure on her. It's very much, at least I speaking for myself, growing up Asian, that was like, it wasn't like a tiger mom, but there are expectations, you know, oh, yeah. like, like, please like try, try your best. <laughs> yeah. But even the moment when she was like, my mom's right. I can't focus. Mm-hmm. I think like a very much like, you know, when I was younger, I would be like, whatever. I dismissed something that my mom says. And then ultimately there's a moment where I'm like, shoot she is right about me you know, know right <laughs> she's like she's like your mom would be like your your cousin passed it's like oh <laughs> yeah and i like the scene coming up ali reminds me of a chocobo too yeah At least the way you- <laughs> <laughs> see this to me see i love cool. this too yeah it's like you're my friend i know you can do it I want you to know you can do it. So go and do it. You know, Friendship. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. I think that's just great. Yeah, that moment. Oh, Mark Tahe right here coming up. <laughs> he does the prop with it exploding. <laughs> He's a beast. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a, we're so lucky to have such a talented crew. Everyone. And then uh, the, the background with the rooftop, <laughs> that's Miche. Miche uh, Perez. Oh yeah, Perez. Yeah, she's she's awesome. That totally reminds me of a the A team. (laughs) 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 I don't know why there's there's one episode where uh, that one of the characters like just like to cause a distraction just like walks like a chicken. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a good distraction. You're like, wait, what? What are they doing over there? Oh, it's such a good sequence. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the music picks up too. Yeah, there's some controversy on like whether to, you know, do temp music in in animatics. And, and I understand both sides clearly, but having temp music really helps us make, because we're on such tight deadlines and tight schedules, it really did help the mm. process, you know, when it came to final music. I painted this. <laughs> <laughs> I love this too, because this is just a good dramatic moment. But I also like the fact that, I like that the oh. first time it doesn't work, you know? Because a lot of oh. times it shows it's, oh no, it's gonna work. Hey, look, it worked, hooray, dance party. And I like the fact that, no, the first time they try it, it doesn't work out, and now they're really gonna go for it. We have the uh, the Star Wars moment right here. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing up the Death Star. Oh. Tony Unser right here, shout out to Tony who did all the effects. That dude is amazing. The effects designer. This character acting again. Look at this. Those pop poses are so good. Yeah, they're so good. But she's having an existential crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then just accepting responsibility. It's like good job. <laughs> I also appreciate Scott Kramer's job oh as the boss. Just, oh, he's great. Yeah, because I like how Dan and Eric were mentioning, yeah, you know, he seems like a curmudgeon in the show, but he genuinely was- cares about everybody. Yeah. 
I like the detail to like, I don't, well, we'll see if we see him again, but the, the way his tie is drawn, how he's like tied it so that the, it's not quite right. Like the, the skinny part is too long. Like it yeah, sticks yeah. <laughs> under the like. He's doing his best. <laughs> I know everything that they ever wanted. So was there a lot of discussion on the type of loot that might be in there that the characters oh God, just yeah. really, really want? No, Dan, Dan is, he's a, he's obsessed with details like that. So he spent a lot of time figuring it out and researching it and talking to people. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't off the cuff for sure. I think fun fact too, one of Dan's friends made a, a functioning gauntlet that they brought into the studio and you can put your cell phone in it and it has like graphics and stuff like that. Oh, that's so cool. That we have to amazing. dig up a photo. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like show everyone how so they can make one at home. I think Eric released like uh, the prop sheet for the gauntlet. So right before Halloween too. So we got some cosplayers. I did pretty. see a couple of cosplayers that had some pretty snazzy outfits. I was very impressed. It's awesome too, because like in this, you see what it, like Five is such a supportive friend to Mika. Like he's so good to her. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> he's giving her his IP and everything. Oh, I love this scene. So this felt very Asian, like for me. <laughs> like your mom is like she's like apologizing, but like in a way where it's like here's some food. <laughs> You know, like, it's not like a full-on, like, you know? That's very... Very Asian. Yeah. For me, it wasn't like, yeah. Although my mom would never give me a snack that late at night. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Hope they don't really want that bowl tomorrow. It is now gone. Oh, we just missed the uh, address on the, the leet address on the house. Oh, was it? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, we got to play it. The house number is 1337. Oh, that's good. We, can we play the outro? Because that outro is so good. I love the outro. Like, yeah, let me try to play it because it started uh, that's what's our, always like behind the scenes. Like, it stopped playing the uh, outro. I wanted to go immediately to the next one. It's like, no, we actually want to watch the outro and actually see see what's going on here so yeah that chip tune is so good yeah oh my god like a lot of the stuff i'm like i've been seeing on twitter where people are doing their own versions of the songs and it's so good it's so fun to listen to and watch yeah it's it's cool the community really like embraced the show i think yeah it's interesting the community reminds me a lot of the early very early days of avatar like on the very early days of avatar we had a fan base but it was not massive or anything you know and over Mm -hmm. the years uh avatar became much bigger and the fan base grew and grew and grew and i I think it also became more and more culturally relevant at the time so Mm -hmm. as it it progressed so they dropped it all on netflix again they did and it's it's so funny because I listen because we're now all at home. I listen to a lot of podcasts now, and a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, a lot of the hosts have started watching Avatar and Korra that didn't see it the first time around. Okay. And the number one thing all of them say is, "Why did nobody tell me about the show before?" So they're just, yeah, it it means a lot, you know, and it's just very well written. 
was very well written and very relevant for kids and it didn't talk down to kids which I always appreciate because that's the thing that I have a lot of little cousins and I can't stand it when shows are like kids are dumb it's like no they're not they're smart yeah yeah yeah. treat them like people it's 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 just not like that and and Look, I worked on Avatar, I worked on Korra, I worked on Glitch Text, and, what the, and, and even in, I worked on Invader Zim, and what they all have in common is this clear and obvious passion for the content. Like, the crews on all of those productions were stellar, and they all really, really were passionate about what they were bringing to the table and, and the content itself, knowing that it was something new. And the problem with anything new is it takes longer for people to discover it. I, I sometimes liken it to, like, that that album your friends turn you on to that you first hear and you're like, I don't know, it's, it seems different, but and then like <laughs> within a year, it's like your favorite album ever. Like, and you, yeah, yeah, never, yeah. And you never want to let that one go. Like, so there's something about doing something new that takes a little longer for the mainstream to kind of absorb it, you know, but the, the, the people who are ahead and who are always like, they're immediately recognized. They're like, wow, this is so me. Like, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone talking about something that this is me. Right. And, and then eventually it catches on and people find it. For Avatar. Oh, yep. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to geek out about Avatar, but we could save that. Oh, no. I was just going to say that that's, that is something that I will, I really do appreciate with internet content is that before you'd have to like, you'd have to tune in to a certain show once a week. And if you were busy then, or you missed it, especially a show that has a lot of like character development and a story that is, that's like serial, then it wasn't easy to catch up. And now a lot more people can see it. And you see like these revivals of shows that maybe didn't get the audience in the beginning of the first time around. There's like, it's like, even if you get, you know, if you're no longer on, there's there could still be hope as long as the you know you get support and there is an oh, audience. There, I, in my opinion, there absolutely is. Like you know, like like if you use Iron Giant as an example, like you know, it didn't do particularly well in the box office, but it is one of the most mm-hmm. beloved films uh, in animation history and will remain so for a long time. The bottom line is, if you make good content, it will be successful. It's just a matter of how fast. We live in a, a kind of culture that expects instantaneous success. And the truth is, is like, again, anything new takes a little longer. Anything really kind of groundbreaking or if you're really trying something new, people don't know that it's going to be there. You don't know something's going to be watched it and absorbed it and you hear friends. And what ultimately starts to happen is people go, they fall so in love with it. Like the fans that we have with Blitzsex currently are so in love that if they run into someone, you know, they're like, oh, you have to watch glitch text like i was watching some behind the scenes footage or something on uh from stranger things and a lot of the young people on that were going oh our favorite show is avatar the last airbender and you're like this is how it happens like it's true it, it, it <laughs> takes a minute and, and, it, and it's yeah. out there and we're not despite the fact that you know you may have twitter feeds that explode overnight most shows take a minute especially if you're doing something truly unique to find that audience and then that audience falls in love with the, the, what you've made, you know? So I've seen do it again you, and again, and I really believe in it. Yeah, I do feel like now with like streaming and stuff and like where they like drop an entire season at once, the, I don't know, studios or whoever that's making it, they kind of do have to commit 
to doing a good job instead of waiting week by week and saying like, are people, are people watching it? Do we abandon this and that? And I, I will say that like for me as like an audience member, I feel like that makes better content because yeah. you got to create something that for a whole season that has a vision and that you commit to it, you know, and without always checking in and letting that dictate your content. Well, mm -hmm. it's a kind of a problem in our entire industry, you know, whether it's live action or animation or anything like what then attracts people to content is this idea of, I want that flash number. I want that huge, big number out of the game, but that doesn't mean the content survives the times like, you know, and you think that the, the real goal should also be to like, I want, we want to make content that will go on for years. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, if it doesn't have that big flash number right out of the gate, then that's okay like you know or people who just believe in property or believe in something that they're making because it has it, it says something to a new audience is really important and i think mm -hmm. that i think that it's it's this dilemma between commerce and entertainment where this battle is constantly going on but ultimately i said this to the guys i'm like whenever anything truly good comes out in any entertainment form truly unique and truly good it is almost a miracle and yeah. because it's so rare and being and, on this side for sure oh my god yeah like and being as an artist in the industry it's like whenever something remotely good happens i'm like how did they allow this to happen with all the notes and network notes and focus testing and something came out so pure and so good and has such a voice from the creators it's just like whoa <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's a beautiful thing, and I, and I really believe in it, and I believe that, and at the very least, see, I don't, I don't gauge a property's success just by numbers, because, like, you look at, like I said, Iron Giant's a perfect example. I love mm -hmm. that movie. That movie's and, amazing. And it didn't have huge numbers, but that doesn't mean it doesn't hold a place in my heart and many, many, many other people's hearts, you know? And I hope that Glitch Text does the same, that it really resonates with a young generation, and and then one day we'll, I'll get to watch their versions of glitch text or things like it that were inspired by it and it, because it held something in their heart. It's interesting too, because like there's a whole generation of us now who watched, I watched Avatar when I was like a kid and I remember being so influenced by it because like the, the characters are deep. Like watching Zuko's arc from the beginning of Avatar to the end, he's like a completely different person. So you just see that and you're just like, wow, like, this is this is a cartoon, yes, but this is this story is amazing. You know, there's like a whole there's like a world war <laughs> in, oh, yeah. well, in it's Avatar. Interesting. It's interesting too because we had talked about that and we had for Glitch Text and we were like, look, for the first season, let's just let people meet the characters. Let's just focus mostly on that. We'll do world building and and that's a lot enough, you know, in this for this show. And the goal was as we continue to do additional seasons and was to create a larger story arc that would ultimately reveal itself. But as it is right now, we're, you know, we're, we're in a different place with Limbo. And right. And I'm already writing my uh, Glitch Text fan fiction. So. There you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helpy and Bit are the, the keys. Helpy is Helpy the keys to them the, all. Yeah. One is evil, one is good. Which one is which? We don't know. Which one is <laughs> twist ending. No, but y'all are right. Y'all are right in talking about, you know, people creating things because that's the thing. I honestly feel like there's definitely a renaissance in storytelling and in television because 
all of us grew up watching all of these shows and reading these books and reading these magazines mm -hmm. and playing these games. And now mm -hmm. we're at the age now where we can now create this material as showrunners, as artists and voice artists and writers and as production people. And I can see that honestly, as much as I love all my 80s cartoons, shows have gotten a lot better in the past, mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20 years or so, as people I think are getting more savvy to storytelling and the kinds of stories that can be told and more people and different kinds of people are getting involved. And so it's my hope with not only Glitch Text, but you know, the show that I work on and other shows that you guys work on that everyone watching them will be inspired. And then the next group of shows from the next generation will be even better and it'll just continue yeah, I mean, I have a saying that I use sometimes to, to, to kind of inspire my artists and what have you, but, but ultimately, whether you're an actor, you're a director, filmmaking, live action, animation, the ultimate goal is, you know, we grew up as kids and young adults, absolutely massively passionate about the arts that we love, right? And it, it's our goal, I, I think that, that our artists' ultimate true success is to have the opportunity to give back to the pool from which we have taken, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we just wanna add our voice to the bigger picture of all of it truly. And mm -hmm. to me, that's, that's an honorable and wonderful thing. And, and, uh, and I hope that Glitch Text did that for a whole new generation of young people. Believe that it did and that it is currently <laughs> doing that. I, I honestly do believe that, which is one of the reasons I wanted to put together a podcast it's important for people to hear this and to also hear about you guys and what you're up to and to follow you. So that actually segues to upcoming projects. So if there's anything that y'all are working on that you'd like to share with people along with where people can find you online, feel free to share. Well, I so fell in love with Flying Bark, not just because of their animation, but the crew and everything else near my end of my tenure at, at Nickelodeon and I've been there many years and there are a lot of wonderful people there. I saw an opportunity to try to join a smaller studio and have an important voice at that studio. So I now am working for Flying Bark at Flying Bark LA, which is a wing of Flying Bark under the, the banner of Studio 100. And it's been a blast. They're so talented. We're doing everything from taking pitches and developing original IP and it's been really exciting. It's really been fun. It's a little new for me because I'm really, I'm more creator-based. You know, I make stuff, I make the shows. And then right now I'm kind of a little more back and I'm helping other people make shows. But it's just as rewarding, but definitely new for me. And I have a hunch I'll go back to making some content soon. But either way, that's where I'm at right now. Flying Bark is an amazing studio. And definitely keep your eyes peeled for uh, what we're going to be bringing in the next few years. That new season of Glitch Text or uh, Glitch Text movie or something? Uh. <laughs> Would love that. And where can people find you online, Ian? Well, I guess the, the best is like my Twitter account. I mean, if you, you just Google me, Ian Graham, and you write Avatar The Last Airbender or Glitch Text or any of that, a lot of links to me will pop up. So I don't have any specific link to, to promote other than keep an eye on me. I check my Twitter feed very regularly. So, so if you have anything you want to say or do, that's the, a good place to do that. And if you're an artist and you're looking for work, keep an eye out for us. We're hiring all the time at Flying Bark. Not everybody needs to move to Australia. So I'm not. Uh, we have a studio in LA and we're also, like I said, we're expanding. So 
And what the one of the upsides to this horrible, horrible, horrible pandemic is that it's shown us that we can work remotely and it's not a big deal and it's much more comfortable. So that the ability, mm -hmm. no matter where you are on the planet, if you want to work for a studio like Flying Bark, you can. Very cool. So get those applications, resumes, pitches ready. Ian and we want to hear from you. Steve, what have you got going on and where can people find you? So I'm working at Nickelodeon again. Online, you can find me on Instagram. It's just at Steve Eat, my full name. My newest projects, I forgot to put this last time. I'm working on a book of plein air paintings. We'll see when that comes out, probably 2021. Yeah, you know, just working away. Very and cool. then uh, my, uh, I mentioned this in the last podcast, my most important project that I have going on right now, I just adopted a puppy and got to raise him. <laughs> there you go. He's a puppy dad. Very cool. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And we'll have to, we'll have to include links for a, cause you have a, a puppy cam. You have a, a Twitch channel for him, which is very, I do, yeah. very therapeutic <laughs> during these times. So I encourage yes. everyone to check that out. Yeah. Stephanie, what have you got going on? Yeah, where speaking of puppies, go? my dog is, I don't know what he's raised <laughs> about. We love all dogs, all pets of all sizes. He's just, you could still hear him barking. <laughs> okay, you done? Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to, this always happens. I'm like racking my brain for what I can promote and not promote. I don't feel like anything that I, I worked on a ton of stuff recently, but I don't think I can really talk about anything yet. I am on a show that Flying Bark is doing, funny enough, that is out internationally and my name is out there in the credits, but I don't think I'm allowed to say that I'm a part of. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't know they had a Flying Bark LA because we always connect to Australia with Sarah and Dave, who are lovely people. Yeah, um, we're, we're still pretty small, but but yeah, we're, we're growing. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, they're they're awesome. So I'm just seconding love for flying bark i'm on twitter at just just at stephanie shea it's my name it's mostly dog stuff and then sometimes i get i get yes. accused of being a social justice warrior so there's that <laughs> just, if i if i know you don't follow, don't follow me uh and i'm on instagram it's the number two and then my last name shea it's a pun <laughs> oh, that's good. We love to see. You love people. You love dogs. You love animation. You love puns. Follow Sandy, everybody. It's good things. Yeah. Good things. Well, I just have to say, all of you have been so generous with your time, and it's been a lot of fun watching this episode with you. It's definitely one of the best, and I like all the episodes, but this one, for sure, there is a lot of heart and action and comedy, and it's great. And just thank you all for taking the time on a Saturday morning to chat. I know that everyone out there will enjoy hearing what you had to say today. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thank you again. And goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Contained.